1: Hi, I'm Erin
0: Welsh. And I'm Erin alman Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday.
2: Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Christmas bells are ringing. <laughs> it's our third episode. You guys are still getting to know us, so just a reminder, I'm
1: Kara Clank. I'm Lisa Traeger.
0: What we're going to do is take you through an episode of Law & Order SVU.
1: It's, uh, today's episode is Raw. It's Season 7, Episode 6. Truly nothing gives more Christmas vibes than a neo-Nazi murder spree. Right.
0: <laughs> and uh, then we're going to take you through the true uh, events that this was based on. And then we have truly a show stopping interview for you. Like you're gonna, you're gonna be really gagged. Yeah. What's going on? It's the holiday season and, uh, jingle bells or jingle jangling. What's going on with you? Um, I'm just excited for the after
1: Christmas, uh, candy sales. That's oh, where yeah. my family shines <laughs> that yeah, after holiday candy at Walgreens is my favorite thing of all time. Cadbury um, mini eggs. Oh my God. Wait, they, oh, because they have the seasonal ones.
0: You know, the my backdrop on Twitter <laughs> before I changed it to be that's messed up was. Cadbury mini eggs. I know, I don't know. You know, I only learned about them two years ago. I could take down one of those like pound bags like on my own. I actually can't buy them. I have to seek out CVSs where they sell the small pat the bags because that's all I can trust myself with.
1: One time I went to the counter with the box of the little ones and they went, This isn't for sale. They're little baggies. And I tried to like <laughs> buy a whole display of them and they rejected me. <laughs> but like They could have sold you all the little baggies and then just put them back in the box. No, they wanted to shame me. Oh, my God. They weren't into it. And I love uh, (laughs) the peppermint. Yeah. Candy is my favorite thing about Christmas. And this year, since we can't do go to the movies or do anything, we're going to drive around rich neighborhoods and look at lights. Oh, that's fun. I tried to get into the Christmas spirit watching that movie Happiest Season. Yes. Did you watch it? Of course I watched it. It is written by an SVU alum, Clea Duvall. Oh, yeah. Um, she has an amazing episode. We'll have no, to. A horrifying one. Yeah. Well, because I always love in that show where it's like Stabler can be shot five times in the chest and he's living. And then if they want to kill someone, it's like one stab and they're out. Um, so <laughs> just like inconsistent. Whatever. I don't know. It was very Stabler's graphic. just so
0: tough that bullets can barely <laughs> penetrate his form.
1: But I wish there was more sex scenes. Yeah. I mean. There are zero, uh,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> uh, people were really hating on this movie really hard because the, well, the female protagonist is Kristen Stewart, but then the other woman
1: who plays Harper is very hateable. People really did not like her. Yeah. It's weird. Everyone wanted her to end up with Aubrey Plaza and I agree. And there were drag queens in it. Yeah. Ben de la Creme and Jinx Monsoon. Icons only. What's your favorite Christmas movie? I mean,
0: I love Home Alone. Okay. I really love Home Alone. I can't think of another one that right now that's like coming to mind. I'll tell you my favorite, it's different okay. than yours. It's The Family Stone. Oh, which I I recently I re- a friend of ours recently asked if we wanted to watch that over Zoom together and I go I don't actually think I've seen the whole thing I've seen only pieces of it but I've cried at it I've seen the crying parts
1: and then we could talk about Christmas all day all night long uh, but this yes is for, a- two G- for two for two <laughs> Jewesses we love Christmas <laughs> yeah um, I hope my dream is a pink Christmas tree with Hello Kitty ornaments all over it anyways um, just one more thing before we get into everything is episode one I talked about how I was at the Paley Center event of SVU standing out in the rain to look at Mariska. And we got an email from another woman that was standing in the rain that night. And she said it was the best night of her life. Um, and she remembers Mariska's leather pants and everything. So I can't believe already we found my goal. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, this is like the notebook, too. We're writing it right here in
0: front of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's dive in. All right, let's get into today's episode, which is called Raw,
1: and it is season seven, episode six. It is funny because on USA, I always hate when WWE Raw comes on Mondays (laughs) because they're stealing SVU from me. And this is one of my favorites, and I feel like I say that all the time, but this one truly does haunt me too. It sticks I, with you it sticks with mm-hmm. you and i'm so excited yeah
0: um okay so this episode opens on a, a manhattan playground a bunch of super cute kids are just playing and being cute they're like showing each other krav maga moves blah 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 and then a gunshot a bunch of gunshots ring out it's so sad the kids are so scared i'm like too much of a sap for this scene like they're they're all like
1: what what, what? what's happening i mean like, svu's lost their mind it's not 30 seconds in three kids are shot yeah yeah three kids are shot by the time the first credit pops up yeah it's a lot yeah and i love that the kids are
0: doing krav Maga. <laughs> <laughs> hey Manhattan kids yeah um so yeah so these kids are all screaming everywhere the teachers are running get them in the get them in the school but we see like a little boy on the ground like in a pool of blood and it's clear that it's, no, they're not all gonna make it so then benson and stable show up The wind is absolutely sweeping through Benson's hair.
1: This this was, uh, I don't know how to define Benson's hair in this one. It's like Tony Danza, female politician. Yeah. It's like a long bob. Mullet, Miley, floppy.
0: Yeah. Ooh, a lot of good words. I
1: I couldn't describe it. Mullet, Miley, floppy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But as she's approaching the playground, it's like the wind is just lifting it up. It's like a wave of beautifully highlighted hair. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. So there's one little girl, there's uh, one little girl named Annabelle who got shot in the shoulder and like, and Benson's like, what happened, sweetheart? Tell me all the details. You know, Benson's so cute with kids. And then, no, um, but the kid is legit. Like it hurts. Yeah, she's like, it hurts. Me. leave me alone. <laughs> and uh, she's just like, "What? what did I do? Why did they shoot me? Okay. So we are in the top of act one with Elliot having to interview 42 children. Okay. We see comedy we, gold. Yeah. It's great. So um, this little girl with a raspy voice, she reminds me of like a little you. She's like a little raspy voice. She's like, hi. Like, I don't know. I thought she was. She so also had cute. a glitter shirt. Bang. Yeah. She's like, she's. She super was cute. like, I was calling her tiny Lisa in my Aww, notes. Oh, That makes me happy. Um, but her name is actually Maddie. So she's being interviewed. All these different kids are being interviewed. They're cutting between all these interviews. The kids are like all giving varying stories. Like the shots came from the sidewalk. No, they came from a van. No, they came from a building with windows across the street. People were shooting from all different directions. It was a bunch of people with guns. No, it was one person. So then they're talking to this little boy who, uh, got shot, but the doctor's telling him, don't worry, you'll be running marathons again in no time. And he's like, but I never ran a marathon." It was so <laughs> cute. So SVU definitely knows how to cut the tension when multiple kids have been shot. <laughs> like, yes. They're like, let's give him a cute line. So there's no ballistics. The bullet is still on the playground somewhere. And, um, they basically figure out that the shooter was like a sniper on a roof nearby. So he was like on a roof, they find the gun like hidden in a, um, some kind of, like, like an
1: oboe case
0: yeah but it's also like shoved down into some kind of like roof like place <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know how to say it you know they're like those things that spin at the top of roofs i don't know what those are
1: which is bold
0: for someone
1: to just leave the murder weapon like that
0: yeah like they hit it so that they wouldn't get busted like running from the scene with like a huge sniper rifle because it's like a rifle with like a
1: sight and all this like yeah all this I uh, extra a dumpster. i just find. Spot- i think it's like they. The number one rule of murder is maybe don't leave evidence. Yeah. So it just seems crazy to leave a giant gun. Right. Not even a baby gun. This is like... No, it's a it's huge, huge
0: long gun. It's a huge gun. So there's one little boy named Jeffrey who doesn't make it, a little black boy. His mother shows up at the hospital. Um, She is white. She is his adoptive mother. And Benson has to tell her that her son is did not make it. People always feel comfortable hugging Olivia Benson, like, right after they get bad news. Like, it would not be my... In like f- first thought to like hug well, a police officer that gave me this no, news, but it
1: might be anyone if there's like something so traumatic, so horrible. Yeah, I I don't know if I need to share this, but <laughs> when I worked at a hair salon in a call center. Um, one of my favorite coworkers ever got a call his sister died and he fell into my arms and I kind of carried him to the sure, car and we sure. drew, like a friend a coworker. we would just see mcdonald's yeah. together I don't know if I was an emotional <laughs> like we would talk shit and like dance and like be mean to our bosses but like I don't think he would say like that's the person I would reach for for help but oh, I was of course there not your number one but you're yeah there. I think that's a little different from like a random cop
0: you met three seconds earlier but she told the news yeah
1: no, I got you. And I do want to give props to the uh, wardrobe department. She, I liked her outfit. It was like all pink, baby pink, little florals. And, you know, just like an innocence to her. The kind mom? Of a, the mom. Yeah. Like, um, it- I just really yeah, like she has like choice. big
0: eyes that are like filled with tears. She's really upset. She's like, you know, my husband has a job where he can't pick up his phone. Like, so we find out that her husband is a corrections officer at Rikers. So that's a million bells go off for Benson because oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, you're you're going to be on a lot of people's shit list if you're a CEO at Rikers. So they, we find out that um, this couple adopted Jeffrey, the little boy who who passed from the foster system.
1: And he's a seven. He was a seven year old black boy.
0: Yeah. so he was he was adopted like they wanted to adopt but adoption is so expensive they wanted to get someone from the foster system the kids that are over seven are more like readily available for adoption so you know you don't have to be rich to give a good kid a home or whatever then back at the school the kids are running everywhere trying to be reunited with their parents after this shooting huang is randomly like corralling like
1: second graders
0: it's really funny it just
1: looks like a fucking camp retreat yeah like there's just been a shooting and they were just like opened the gates and the parents and kids ran yes. at each other. Yeah, it like, was wild. I think there would be more of a checks and balances system. Yeah, They were like, <laughs> there's a counselor inside if your kid needs to. And it's like, what? If they just saw their friends get shot and killed.
0: It's like, you're creating more SVU cases by just letting these kids go off with whatever adult <laughs> yeah. is around. Okay. So then we in like the background, little Lisa from before Maddie is like freaking out and like screaming and like, I don't want to go home. And like, so they have to obviously investigate that. So they talk to her again. Uh, Livia talks to her and um, she tells them that someone has been hurting her, makes her pull her pants down. His name is Mr. Bug Eyes. And the mom is like, that's Mr. Bugazi. She has a hard time saying his name. So cute. So. They get to this guy's house, Mr. Baghazi, and Maddie's uncle is randomly like beating the shit out of him until he's unconscious. The
1: uncle's hot.
0: Yeah. The news spread pretty fast. It was like they, <laughs> they just had an well, interrogation. The mom texts the uncle. The mom texts her brother and goes, This fucking guy. And then he just headed right over and beat the guy like unconscious. I've never been so turned on
1: <laughs> outside of, you know, our maloney, Dean Winters. Uh yeah, I
0: liked him. Okay. There's he's, actually he's another guy of he says tuned. <laughs> a spank <bank. laughs> Ew. I know that's a disgusting term. I hate myself. Um, <laughs> they uh, so they trace the gun that they found on the roof to a place called gun Ho in Staten Island. Puns galore. Also, I
1: want to give a shout out to SVU for having a red herring molestation in the middle of a school yeah. shooting episode. Yeah, that just like wraps up. But has a um, alibi.
0: It's definitely not him. He's just molesting little girls. He's not shooting kids.
1: Yeah, just a side project yeah. for this department. Yeah,
0: so they they kind of wrap up that case in ten seconds, and then they trace this gun. They, uh, it's uh, Munch and Stabler go to Staten Island. They go to this store. They see the this sixteen year old is there. He's like an Aryan Nation poster boy. His name is Kyle Ackerman, and it, he's like, you can't come in. And then they're like, yeah, we can't let us in. And so he lets them in, and uh, they go down to like the basement of this store. They see a huge swastika on the wall. Like they're all this literature about like anti-Semitism and racism, is being stacked up and distributed and who is there working on the literature but star Marsha gay harden a great character a great actress playing this super racist woman
1: named star named yeah.
0: star and she's like super pumped and ready to be racist she like immediately makes like a sniff and then makes like a taken aback face when she is near munch and goes Ugh, jew and i'm like do we have a smell? I didn't know. <laughs> like, I didn't know. She calls the little kid. I don't even know. Should I say, these I don't things? think we should be saying she these She says words. all these racist things about the little kid. I'm not going to trigger anyone. I'm not
1: going to say these horrible words. I just wouldn't want to say any of them. I wouldn't want to say any of them. They're yeah. honestly shocking to hear. This episode is uh, earlier season, season seven. Yeah, it's 2005. And it seems like um, an Andy Cohen, watch what happens live drinking game where they're like, Drink, drink every time, time you hear. star says something
0: insanely racist
1: all of yeah. That, yeah 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 like yeah. Any, or any of that characters. like yeah. you would be wasted <laughs> this episode is jam-packed like the writer's room was like looking up at this like a racist thesaurus yeah like they yeah. they found are an urban every dictionary for insult for sure.
0: they could get all episode long yeah and then she slaps munch and calls him a jewish slur like it's crazy she must have said something to finn not until we get to, cause he's not there. Oh, so, so it's just, so, oh,
1: just Muncha Maloney. Yeah. yeah it's Muncha Maloney. Maloney's a good
0: Catholic yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah. So she's probably like, honestly got a boner for him. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you white, but they bring her into the squad room. She's calling it Jew York city. You know, she calls ice tea, bad names. It's like truly wild. Um, they figure out that the kids who were shot are black, Jewish, and Italian. Like the little girl was Italian. The little boy who runs a mail with he was Jewish. And the, then the little boy who died was black. The person who signed off for the gun was like G. Rockwell. It was just written as G. Rockwell. So they're all trying to like figure out who this Rockwell person is. Um, they figure out also that the owner of the store, whose name is Brian Ackerman, runs a website called Blitzkriegwarriors.org, the official site of raw revolution
1: Aryan warriors. He's just like a huge, huge, huge white supremacist. So Nazi gun shop. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think about our current climate in terms of like how the boy and the dad were like, so anti cop, like these are our rights. Don't come into the store. You can't be here. And yet, you know, they they tout around like the guns are to protect them from law Mm -hmm. enforcement. And now the Nazis are the police. The police are the Nazis. They're protecting gas stations and the cops. And it's like nothing is real. I thought you guys were. For people's, ra- you know, it, yeah. I mean, I know what it is. They're just for racism and they don't give a shit about yeah. anything. But it is wild to see these Nazis be so protective. Of- well, it's
0: crazy also that this episode is from 2005, 15 years ago and could truly be about like a rip from the headlines about today. You know, yeah. like it's just insane. it is sad. Yeah. So. Huang has a big revelation. He goes, Hate groups love the internet. (laughs) It's like, yeah, like it was built for them and by them. (laughs) Hitler youth are alive and well, says Kragen. The kid, Kyle, is in the squad room showing them this game he's made on the website called Final Solution, which if you don't know what that is in reference to, you need to read up on some World War II Holocaust history. Um, this kid has the high score in killing Jewish people
1: in this game. It's basically like, what's the r- ride revolution? What's the driving game? Oh, r- like Grand, Theft Grand Theft Auto. Theft, yeah. It's like Grand Theft Auto, but you kill minorities and Jews. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool game. Um It look and the graphics are like doom if anyone played on Microsoft ever. (laughs) They're they're not good. (laughs) They're not good. The Um, Nazis really don't know about fonts or graphic design. No. No.
0: None of the literature looked good. It was bad. Yeah. And then I'm sure you're
1: about to say this, so I'm not gonna ruin this for you.
0: Yeah. Then Kyle says something about your kind while talking to, to Ice T, and Ice T's like what do you mean by that? And he calls him the N word full N word, hard, full on NBC. hard in 2005 on NBC. What is going on? I'm like so surprised that that was allowed on like standard. I guess you can argue in standards and practices or whatever that it's like this. It, it has to be said so we can address it. We're clearly making it wrong to say it like, you know,
1: but still wild. It was, was shocking.
0: Very shocked
1: so and great acting by the kid he looks like a nazi kid for sure yeah and like he's he's been completely brainwashed this but i wonder kid. how they talked to him on set how they prepped him like I i'm know. gonna say the n-word to ice tea yeah isn't he the cop killer like, yeah he's is- like uh, i know this little white kid who's like in
0: his talking to his agent like uh, should i do it like, okay so this kid's saying all this crazy shit to Finn. Like, you draw the short end of the genetic straw. Like, horrible. Then his dad blows into the squad and is like, does anyone speak English here? And then, you know, Craig shows up and he's like, I'm in charge. And he's like, oh, I didn't know white men could be in positions of power anymore unless you're a homosexual. Like, he's just fully, like, spraying his, like, you know bigotry all over the place this guy um
1: and again what you said earlier so relevant to today yesterday always and forever this dude exists he has existed and it's just like these white losers who think they're victims of something and it's like yeah. You're not. Cragen's in charge. Right. You don't know anything. I just hate him. No, he's the worst. We're supposed to hate him. Yeah. It'd he, be crazy yeah, he's, if I love guy. He's literally this guy. yeah,
0: like he's designed to be like a little bite-sized hateable asshole. Obviously, Benson jumps in and he goes, Ah, the requisite tuna feminist. Why don't you
1: stay out of this one, Hillary? What is going yeah. on? I guess the primary, like she was running for the primaries that year? 2005, 2005. I think. The election when was she was 06. running
0: for senator or something. I don't think she ran for president in 06. No, but she tried to. She did? Yes, yeah, she was in the primaries between Obama and Hillary. That was later, though. That wasn't until like uh, like 08 she ran against oh, Obama. Okay. So I don't know. I'm just saying I think this may have been when she was a senator. And I don't know. She's always been a figurehead for assholes like but this. Yeah. I just don't understand why he said the word Tuna. I mean, I can guess. I mean, I can guess. It's just really, that's pretty vile. His son said the N-word. You think he's not going to say tuna? I know. He walked into
1: a cop room and snapped his face. Yeah. He's a
0: citizen. Yeah. He's just like a full Trump voter showing up in the squad room, like the ghost of racism future. And it's just really sad that this man is still all over the place. Um, They basically figure out that G Rockwell is the founder of the Nazi party. So that's who signed the receipt. Uh, It's it's obviously not a a, a true signature. Um, The crime lab found DNA on the gun belonging to brandon lee redding uh who is a nazi skinhead they wait show- we missed
1: my other hottie oh um they ask a cop a black muscular oh, officer yeah, yeah, yeah. to remove the nazis from the squadron and, and he's, he's like, like my no pleasure. problem yeah. yeah and he was <laughs> hot yeah, yeah that was a hot guy you're right you're like been married too long maybe you're not i know i don't have you're an eye not picking on up all the time the
0: hotties. but i have to agree So they show up at Brandon Lee Redding's house. He's a Nazi skinhead. He's got a huge tattoo on his back that says Raho Wah, which stands for racial holy war. He literally screams no colors allowed when they walk into his apartment. It's like I that's language from the the And 50s. just such
1: great imagery where it's like they think uh, like Nazis think they're the master race and yet it's like a mattress on the floor, no decorations, yeah. bottle caps taped a bottle to the ceiling.
0: Taped to the ceiling in the shape of a swastika. Like that's your art.
1: Yeah, like these people offer nothing to the world and yet try to take down anyone that offers any beauty, or joy <laughs> into our land. So the the
0: timeline basically goes, he was just released from Rikers. He went and bought the rifle. Then this kid was shot. He's claiming the rifle was stolen. So the dad of the little boy who died shows up and goes, this guy wasn't even on my cell block. Like, I don't know why this guy would have it out for me. This like doesn't make sense. Okay. so then we meet this guy, Hashi Horowitz, who is a played by Joe Grafasi. He's been on 13 episodes of SVU. He's like a recurring defense attorney obviously a jewish man and his he looks like keeps, droopy
1: he looks like the, yeah he, bo- the dog he looks like confidentially
0: Lincoln. i'm the star of this picture yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is very droopy and very i like this man and he kind of sits there and just grins and bears bears it as his client calls him his jew lawyer you know also this guy's name is brandon lee redding the nazis always have three names right i don't know Uh, all the like these guys always have three names anyway he tries to hit on novak he's like let's make white babies together novak's like about to barf and then um we get to court okay so we're getting to the trial of brandon lee redding and the judge starts opens up by saying i have zero tolerance policy for shenanigans in my courtroom hello all right look out everybody put your shenanigans away
1: we're in the courtroom. You could tell he's a no-nonsense judge. Yeah,
0: he's like, no, po- to- zero-tolerance policy. So, basically, Brandon Lee uh Redding has changed his plea from not guilty to guilty so that he can serve all of his sentences um concurrently. And that's a deal he made with Novak. So, he allocutes to his crime he says he says he calls the kids horrible names but he says i shot these kids and then the judge rejects the deal the judge is like i find this so reprehensible that you would give this guy a deal he's going to serve all these counts consecutively not concurrently meaning
1: one after another which means he's definitely going away for life one of my favorite lines from the judge he goes your parole officer's parents haven't even been born yeah yeah yeah, that's a line. Crazy. That's a good line.
0: Yeah. So he gets carried out of the courtroom screaming Raho like he's, you know, he's pissed because he's not getting his deal. I think I don't know how common that is for a judge to, uh, you know, reject a plea deal that the prosecution has made with a witness. But it seemed like a pretty big twist for them. They were all shocked.
1: Well, because also I'm imagining a case like this would have made big news. Yeah. And so like reputation wise, like wh- the the community is waiting to see what's happening. Right. If this is real life. Like this is all over the papers,
0: but he was so, going to get 25 to life anyway. I still think he would have been in like jail for life anyway, but.
1: Uh, yeah this is where it all gets tricky yeah we're
0: not lawyers if you guys didn't know <laughs> um so star is in the car room. she pipes up like you know yelling her she's got this real southern drawl and she's just like you're against our freedom of speech or whatever and she's screaming about all this stuff she gets all these contempt of court charges they carry her out so brandon lee redding is like uh talking to Casey again. And he's like, let's work this out between us whites. Okay. he's like, I waive my right to counsel for this meeting only. He basically confesses that air Ackerman gave her the rifle and conned him into, into being this, into doing the shooting. And then they were like, what about star? What does she have to involve? And he goes, you think I'm dumb enough to talk about business in front of some slash it's like, well, you got conned into shooting a kid and you're going to jail forever. So, yeah, I think maybe you'd talk about business in front of a woman. <laughs>
1: like No, and sl- if, if you ever hear anyone refer to a woman as Slash, I would.
0: Yeah, run from yeah, the fucking do that is They don't respect so you. Nasty. So, Brennan reveals that Star is Ackerman's old lady. So, we think maybe there's some kind of, uh, you know connection between Star and Brian Ackerman, the racist man. Um, Ackerman gave Lee the gun and the school photo of the boy, he says. So they're in court and Star will not testify. And because she doesn't testify, Mordock is like, you can't if, if she's a co-conspirator who won't testify, then she can't corroborate the story that the prosecution is trying to push. This isn't fair. And the judge Is just like, yes, I'm allowing this witness. I'm allowing this to happen. And uh, because Novak argues that the website is corroboration and the Mordock, the lawyer is like the judge is being influenced by his abhorrence of Ackerman's beliefs. Like you're being influenced by the fact that you think this man is like a racist and you don't agree with what he says. I kind of feel like Mordock's like a little bit right here. Like illegally, but he did kill multiple people. No, I know. But it, you you have to technically you have to have the stories corroborated. And if she won't testify, then you're literally just going off of the word of the fact that he has a racist website. I'm not trying to defend No, he racist. admitted to the crime, though. No, no. We're talking about Ackerman now, though. He didn't admit to anything. Oh, Ackerman's on yeah, trial. Ackerman's on trial for building a website for no for like contracting this hit. Okay. Yeah, but like he can't. So no one can confirm contra- that. Yeah. it's literally it's, he said. He said. Got so, it. So I, I almost everyone. think have that, I watched this episode five hundred yeah. times. Yes, I almost think that the that the, the lawyer has like a point. It's like unfortunately in our country Nazis have a right to
1: speak. Like. But it's not even about speed. It's like the man, you know, with Manson before Manson, they didn't have the laws to be able to put him away. And yeah. it is like if you're inciting or the violent or like mob bosses make people do the hits for them.
0: Sure. But you just can't without her testimony. You can't even prove that
1: that. So happens. they're just trying to blame him. He could just be trying to make a deal. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So anyway, but then that Redding, the big fat Nazi, he goes on the stand yeah. in an orange jumpsuit. Yeah. Redding goes on the up. stand
0: and he's like. He's like Ackerman told me skinheads were sloppy and that raw is more organized. He said, he's got a target. I might like, he, I was just
1: distracted. Cause he looked like the Kool-Aid man in orange,
0: <laughs> right? Well, the Kool-Aid man is red. I said in orange. Oh, is there an orange flavor Kool-Aid no, man? He
1: is the one. <laughs> I would get a Kool-Aid man tattoo
0: in orange. No. Okay. See, I think you just proved my point. <laughs> um, okay. So he says, this guy gave me his home, his home address, his, the home address of this kid, the school address, of this kid, the kid's school picture. And suddenly this is like where the episode really t- goes off the fucking rails. Kyle Ackerman, the kid gets up, screams race trader," shoots Brandon, Brandon Lee uh, Redding in the chest, then shoots the judge. Then there's like a shootout as some random blonde man shoots at Munch. Then Maloney shoots that guy. Then Kyle shoots Maloney. I call it Maloney, but it's Stabler. And then Kyle is standing over Stabler, like about to literally kill him. And he's like, everyone has to make sacrifices. And then Star shoots Kyle and is like, federal agent. I'm a federal agent. So she reveals herself, unmasks herself basically as a federal agent.
1: And we kept asking this throughout the whole episode is, why didn't she come forward in interrogation and be like, hey, guys, I'm undercover. Yeah. She
0: could have stopped I this un- shooting. Yeah, I, feel I like. didn't understand why she was like, look, I'm not going to testify because I'm undercover. Because you, if you're alone, you're not breaking your cover.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how FBI undercover I don't know either, work. unfortunately. But it was like, you could have, th- maybe she knew. But if she knew about the shooting, she would have helped. Maybe. Yeah. How did she get a gun in? Like, it's all pretty wild. Yeah. So then Munch is in the hospital. He got shot in the ass,
0: which is really funny and very Munch. Um, star whose actual name is Dana Lewis. She's in there apologizing for all the slurs. She said she's like, I had to maintain my cover. She apologizes to Finn. Finn shakes her hand and goes, we're good.
1: I also would like to say that uh, star Dana Lewis says that she was in the organization for five months. And it's like within five months, you got that high up. You're fucking the leader. Yeah. That is
0: amazing <laughs> police work. Yeah. Yeah. She got real. It's like if you say enough racial slurs, you can just shoot. That's how you advance in those and kind of businesses. Finn brings
1: Munch a fig shake.
0: Yeah, from some deli that I think I've we're supposed to know about that, that I've never heard of. Of course, but he wants so a much to want a fig shake. It's so but it's also kind of sweet. They're, they have like a sweet little relationship, him and uh, Finn. So Stabler tells Liv that he's uh, he's in the hospital. Livia's visiting him. She, he tells her that Kathy has started started divorce proceedings. Ugh. She still wants to know if you got ki- shot, did. I know yeah. she wants to divorce you, but yeah, like, you, you got to call. <laughs> it's like you got to call Kathy. Yeah. You got to call the mother of your four kids when you've been shot. So then they try to figure out how they got the guns into the courtroom. And it's this random blonde man that I mentioned before is like named Christopher Rollins. He literally looked like a store mannequin at a surf shop. He was just like, bang, bang, bang. Like it was I was wondering what his audition process was even like. Uh, And he was he had like snuck in with a fake badge and I.D. handed off guns to Kyle Ackerman. The judge is dead. A court officer is dead. Another one is hanging on and Kyle is dead. So Brian Ackerman is proud that his son died fighting for his race. And uh, Dana found some other information about the shooting while they were doing a raid. They did a big raid. They took Ackerman down. They found all this like bomb making equipment and like busted them. So Ackerman is going to go to jail. Uh, But she found some interesting information. So then the last scene is Olivia at the house of the two parents of the parents of the dead child confronting them because the Whitlocks had actually taken out not one, but two insurance policies on their seven-year-old worth 750000 when normally they're 50000 And then they kind of did some digging and found out that Whitlock had pledged some money to a Nazi organization because they are racists. He pledged money to the Nazi organization for a future insurance payment. And uh, L- Olivia said, people must have been so confused, two racists like you adopting a little black boy. And the mom goes, We're not racists. We just needed the money. So they
1: arranged for their son. And like they're acting the entire time. Horrible ending. But what's interestingly, like this is so twisted, so upsetting. And that, but when Star brings the evidence to Benson, she's like, "You're gonna love this." And it's like, no one no, loves I'm not. this. <laughs> this is. It. I'm glad we're gonna catch the killers. But to be like, guess what, baby? Yeah, and
0: I would like to think that the foster system's doing like a thorough vetting of their people, and
1: not allowing. I've never heard of anything like this. Thank God, I don't think. This part is, yeah, part is not based on anything real. Yeah, that part is not based on anything real. Think whatever you believe in. <laughs> I that is so horrific to think that you would adopt a child just to kill them and see nothing r- for money and see nothing. R- I mean, it's like awful. Yeah, it's one of the. And what did you need the money for? I needed to know was somebody dying of cancer and there were
0: hospital bills, or was it just that he wanted to give money to Nazi organizations? They never said what they needed the money for. Yeah, not that there's any
1: reason. And Benson, this. like when she walked into the apartment, she's like, "Why aren't there any photos of the kid?" And they like, "This is this happens on forensic files all the time. The people go claim the insurance immediately." Yeah, like you five days
0: after this kid died, they
1: were like, "Ching, where's our money?" It's crazy. Ugh. But again, what we talk about constantly—amazing actors. You yeah, would never have known the whole time they're like. He's not even on my cell block. Why would he do this? Like you, the mom, the shaky cry, and that's why I think the wardrobe did such a good job with the pink and the innocent. And what's and like crazy too? Yeah, that is that
0: is they did a good job. We'll go, I you know as usual, props to the SV wardrobe department. But here's the thing: if he's the one that contracted Brennan Lee Redding to kill his kid,
1: then. All the Ackerman stuff. Ackerman really didn't do anything. Ackerman gave gave the gun to Fatty and um, gave him the photo of the kid. Oh, so that's right. The corrections officer didn't go directly through Brandon Lee Redding. He
0: went. Ackerman went to him. So you're right. So he is still like conspiracy to commit a murder. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I was going to say he definitely had bombs ready to go off and he's a Nazi. But
1: this is probably one of the greatest episode.
0: Yeah, it's like the twist at the end is truly wild. And um and I'm Marsh glad it has hardened Yeah, she's a, a legend. A
1: shootout in a courthouse. It, Munch, this is the only time Munch gets shot in the series. Yeah,
0: that's true. Maloney gets shot a couple other times. Okay, so luckily that part is not part of the real crime uh the parents having their son killed, but a lot of the other stuff is and we're going to hear about it when we return. <laughs>
1: Hey, y'all, Star is back. Now, let's uh,
0: leave the episode behind us and get into the true crime.
1: But her accent, you know, it just gives us a little bit of joy in this horrific crime (laughs) episode. Yeah. Um, We need that. Okay, so this is based on a few different crimes. We're going to focus mostly on a murder spree that happened where i'm from skokie illinois while i was living there as a child i remember this happening i remember us talking about it in school i remember us staying inside because they couldn't catch the guy for three days so like (gasps) i remember a lot of this but i was so little that it was um you were like 10 or 11 uh yeah yeah Yeah. like fourth fifth grade yeah maybe sixth but i doubt it so it was really i don't know interest i don't know the right adjective to use but it was like uh, nice to revisit i don't know how to say this like just a nostalgic murder spree you know it takes me back like i remember feeling it but i don't remember the details and right. stuff it's yeah it's kind of like kind of like watching the last dance if you were a kid during the yeah bowls. or
0: like when i look at oj stuff like only now am i Jean like Pinay. realizing how horrible it was because when i
1: was younger i was just like oh that like what happened i was so young you know Absolutely, yeah, I agree there. Um, but I d- so we'll get to that. I'm just gonna touch on. There's a courthouse shooting that mm-hmm. um, helped kind of inspire the courtroom shooting scene. But researching this courthouse, sh- courthouse shootings happen all the time. Really? Yeah. You know, when I went on YouTube to like find the news footage from this shooting, it was like the Michigan one, the Florida one, the uh. da, 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 da. like I think. I think courthouse shootings happen way more often than we could have ever I wonder imagined. if it's more people somehow getting a gun in there or
0: they grab bailiff's guns or like what happens. So this one
1: that we're talking about is Kingston courthouse shooting of 2005. It's in Tennessee and a Department of Corrections transport officer. One was wounded and one was murdered. Um There was a female shooter and a part of me went, oh, that's fun. That's nice. Like, it's so fucked up. And we've talked about female killers before. But for some reason, this kind of like, I remember being like, get it, girl, which is pretty (laughs) fucked up. But it's for a man. It's all a mess. But this happened in August 9th, 2005. Um, So close to this episode. And I think that's why these are connected. Mm -hmm. But basically, this guy, George Hyatt, he was pleading guilty in a courthouse to a robbery charge. Mm -hmm. And um, as he was taken out by two, you know, cops or officers, guards, I don't know, guys with badges, Mm -hmm. as he was being um, taken out, his wife, Jennifer, was there and George yelled out fire. And that's when Jennifer started shooting. And then they ran away into a car, escaped. And then dropped the car, got into another car, stayed at a couple hotels. They actually, um, they got arrested like the next day, but they were, you know, able to maybe hopefully fuck in the motel room. Um, But they are both in jail forever. So that's, yeah. Okay. Life in jail. So it wasn't necessarily
0: racially motivated like this one. No. Like, okay, got it.
1: No, I think it was just like close to when this happened, because like I said, it seems like courthouse murder or shootings and shit happen kind of way more often than I ever anticipated. But this was like right around the time that the episode happened, not racially motivated. The man, the George is black and Jennifer is white. The husband, one wife duo. But I think it's just like.
0: Yeah. And this was months later. This episode aired in November of the same year. Yeah.
1: But yes. And again, um, don't commit crimes for men. Yeah. Let let your husband go to jail. Yeah. Visit him. Live your life. It's just, oh God. I mean, but she obviously was a bad person and it's good that she's away. All right. So this case, um, the killer that we're going to be talking about is Benjamin Nathaniel Smith. And the Matthew F. Hale character is kind of like the Kyle Ackerman. Mm -hmm. Where did he commit? He's like the leader of the Nazis, but he didn't actually commit the crimes but he inspired so he's kind of more like the brian ackerman and then kyle Kyle is more like the um, benjamin wasn't in a birth kid i would say benjamin is a mix i guess of kyle and the big racist the raha waha Mm -hmm. guy so i don't even know how meanwhile
0: ironic we've talked
1: about this benjamin is a very jewish name he changed his name later to august which was is too Mariska's real child's mm, yeah. name um, Yeah he said Benjamin was too Jewy and he didn't like it so wow. he did change It to August Smith so I don't know What I don't even know how to organize this Honestly um, I'll talk about Matthew F. Hale so basically okay. He's in East Peoria, Illinois And if you've been to Peoria It's a mess I've performed in a comedy club there And it's a great club I I use it's a it's a club I have had great times performing mm-hmm. at. Um, to the left of it's a strip club. Across the street is a is a dirt motorcross ATV <laughs> lot. <laughs> like this is where we're at. Okay, so basically he is in jail for forty years, so that's great. He's up for parole in twenty thirty seven, but he's only going to be sixty six, which is not old enough for a Nazi hero leader to be released on parole. So hopefully no. they don't release yeah, him. Hopefully not. And I bet like. That seems like the skinhead community in jail is pretty strong, Mm -hmm. too. It just seems dangerous. Um, I did get a lot of the crime information from the Southern Law Poverty Center, Mm -hmm. and they're on our side. So if you're on the Nazi side, maybe, you know, go to Fox News for information (laughs) about this. But I wanted to be transparent where i got it um he realized he was a nazi at age 11 this matthew f hale guy um and for two decades he worked out of his childhood bedroom as a nazi a coming-of-age story yeah (laughs) Yeah. and it's also like he created the world church of the creator from his childhood bedroom (laughs) it was like this is the worldwide offices in my home in illinois and guess what matthew's father did for a living
0: a corrections officer a police officer Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Who let his son uh lead a Nazi group in his bedroom and never stopped him. So mm-hmm. just, you know, there you know, the recent article that came out that the FBI has been warning about skinheads and nazis in the police departments and how it's intertwined Mm -hmm. and law enforcement and again this is someone whose father was a cop and let him do nazi business in their home um and this guy's rap sheets insane 1990 he was arrested uh for burning an israeli flag outside and so it broken ordinance 1991 he was fined for littering for handing out racist pamphlets 91 arrested again for threatening three black men with a gun 92 charged with criminal trespass resisting arrest aggravated battery and carrying a concealed weapon after he attacked a shopping mall security guard only got six months house arrest and 30 months of intensive probation i don't know what intensive probation means but didn't fucking help him (laughs) 2003 he was charged in chicago with contempt of court for refusing using um to stop using the name world church of the creator after losing a copyright lawsuit brought up by a non-racist church with that name so (laughs) you didn't even come up with an original name for your nazi church yeah come on man do better that's the thing it's like you believe you're the superior race and yet you're a failure yeah
0: it's crazy. And
1: then 2004 is the final conviction that's put him away for 40 years. Um, he was convicted in 2004 of soliciting the murder of a Chicago federal judge, Judge Lefko, who presided over that copyright trial. And it made him mad. His personality actually reminds me of Tiger King. Oh, He's a megalomaniac. He thinks everything's about him yet fails. And, you know, like. The revenge thing where it's like, oh, you you said I couldn't copyright. I'm going to fucking murder you. And yeah, um, and this is the thing about these Nazis, too, where it's like. Fine, be a Nazi, but find another hobby, too. Yeah. Like they have nothing else going for them and a life of hate with no, like whenever I play chess or games with my dad, he always says, focus on yourself and doing good. You get further ahead. When you focus on other people losing, you're so focused on that. You don't get to win. Yeah. You don't get to build up your game because you're too focused on people losing. So that's just a nice piece of advice from my father. If any <laughs> Nazis want to hear that.
0: So he goes I, <laughs> for all of our Nazi listeners, please listen to Lisa's job. Um, <laughs> So he goes to jail for
1: soliciting the murder of a female judge. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so I'm going a little back and forth about it, but I just that's like I'm just telling you his rap sheet like this guy got caught everywhere he goes. And the best part about this, like, thank God the judge was not killed. No one tried to kill the judge, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. So basically what happened was he asked his security chief to get the judge's home address but he didn't know that his security chief was an undercover FBI agent Yeah, and the FBI agent was like "Um, or an FBI informant, I think informant. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So that's fucking incredible. But that's also probably where they
0: got a lot like star.
1: The whole idea for that is like from this. Yeah. Look at you connecting the dots. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like my favorite thing in the world that what a failure. You can't even (laughs) kill the judge you want to kill like you go to the one guy that's the fbi informant (laughs) to get the judge and so that's what we're talking about with the ackerman how he gets charged it's like you are you are trying to get people killed you're also a fucking coward you can't even try to commit the crimes on your fucking (laughs) own but i just love that he told on himself um whatever so he's in fucking jail and I love it. They and they also did a little cop trickaroo. This is an uh, this is such an SVU game. They uh, January eighth two thousand three, um, Hale appeared for a court hearing at the federal courthouse in Chicago, where he was expected to be cited for failing to comply with Lefko's order. So he went to court just thinking he had an appointment for a trial, and then they were like, "Haha, ha, never mind. We're arresting you, you dumb piece of shit for trying to kill this judge." Yes. Yeah. Oh my so god. So that's something that Maloney for sure would do. Um and yeah, he's a piece of shit. And that's it. And hopefully he doesn't get parole and hopefully he's having a really hard, terrible time <laughs> in prison. Now I will co- you know connect him to this murder spree. So this Benjamin Nathaniel Smith went by August. I don't know what to call him. Scum of the earth. I honestly. think let's keep calling
0: him Benjamin because if he were alive it would bother him.
1: Yeah. Basically What prompted his murder spree is because Matthew Hale passed the bar and he got a law degree from Southern Illinois University, which is widely known as the biggest party school (laughs) in Illinois. Like, that's where you go when you don't break a 3.0. You know what I mean? Like So the fact that (laughs) I know great people and rich people that have gone there, I applied there. (laughs) I did not do well in school. So, But it is a party school, so it's just funny he got his degree from there. Um, But he, the board of Illinois law bar, whatever, Did not allow him to practice because he's a racist. So they were like, yeah, you can't be an open Nazi practicing law. And because of that, that's what sparked Benji and made him so angry that he went on this fucking spree. And he was going to commit like there was no way this person was not going to murder and not commit crimes. He was basically like a tinderbox ready for the match. It's and just this hard is it. to read this stuff and do this research thinking about like all these people that have third strikes or weed or like, yeah. you know, teens that are poor, that are robbing cars and get stuck in the system and spend so many years in prison. And then we have open Nazis committing crimes yeah. for years, getting probation, getting out in like a couple months. And actually yeah. to go back to Matthew Hale the FBI and all these people, there were statements of like, yeah, you pu- you go to jail for a long time. We are going to catch you before you pull the trigger. We're here to protect. And it's like, unless it's not a judge, all of a sudden, like if it's a mm-hmm. judge or an employee, there's all these years and we take all these threats seriously. But if it's just a woman being abused, right? they don't, you know, famously, the courts do not uphold um, restraining orders or issue them in uh, time. I have friends who have been, fucked in the system in this way and been stalked and harassed and bricks thrown through their windows and cops have done nothing so reading all this is just like so fucked up they have such long rap sheets so many clues and were able to he murdered yeah he murdered two people and injured nine people over three days this is benjamin yeah this is benjamin both of them are just fucking nuts um so he was a criminal justice major that was It's a tip off. If you're in college for criminal justice, you might be good. But if you were good, you'd be sociology. (laughs) The social workers, the defense attorneys, they go sociology. The probation officers, they go criminal justice those are the <laughs> cops it's not a fucking real major so we go all the way back to he grew up in wilmette dad's a doctor mom's in real estate I one time in wilmette it's yeah.
0: literally where the home alone house is i think
1: yeah it's so i'm in skokie we're neighboring like skokie is kind of the connection between the north shore suburbs and the city i would say um in chicago it's by northwestern university um it's a it has it had the highest population of not of Holocaust survivors at anywhere in the world outside of Israel and so when I was a kid the KKK would march and we'd have to talk about it in school the Nazis marched before I lived, was born but outside of being really Jewish I went to school with lots of Pacific Islanders mm-hmm. Indian people Sri Lanka just Assyrians it was a really diverse school mm-hmm. so it makes sense why um, people that hate Minorities would yeah come to Skokie. Mm-hmm. Well, Met is known as like the rich Aryan type of mm-hmm. school that an amazing. We swam against them. They have an incredible swim team. <laughs> but there are stories of Nutrier kids going and doing swastikas on um, wow. cemeteries. And Nutrier and famously, like, the number one public
0: high school in America, like, constantly yeah. at the, in the top of, like, one of the best high schools. And yeah. obviously.
1: But it's just, I know a lot of kids from there. And it's just so rich. Yeah. A lot of drugs and a lot of racism. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that I'm sure there's good things. Hopefully they've grown as a community. I don't <laughs> know what to say to you. So, you know, they, so there was no indication from the family. The neighbors are like, we had no fucking idea, but his high school senior quote was a John Wilkes Booth quote after he killed Abraham Lincoln, some Latin. Thing. Yeah.
0: He said six Semper Tyrannus.
1: That's insane. Yeah. So that, a, another clue. Yeah, Uh, that this kid's not going to be good. So he went to U of I, and this is where his Nazism started. And this is what's so crazy: University of Indiana, no University University of of Illinois, Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Okay, for engineering, they have a basketball team. I lost my virginity there, famously. Okay, and he lived in Allen Hall, which is what caused him to start hating. everyone i stayed at allen hall when i lost my virginity (laughs) all my friends were in allen hall it's the artsy dorm like it's artsy it didn't have air conditioning when i stayed and this is like earlier 90s obviously they made it seem like it was some swanky dorm Going to college is just expensive, but it's really like the hippy dippy, gay, queer, artsy, fartsy yeah, dorm. So this guy was like, ugh. he hated it. <laughs> yeah, he hated it. Um, he didn't like foreign students. He didn't like the foreign professors. It made him uncomfortable. And that's where he met Matthew Hale of East Peoria, who was recruiting on campus for his World Church of the Creators. Oh, OK, that was an anti-black, anti-Christian, which seems weird, an anti-Jewish organization. So October 97, he got accused of beating his girlfriend in his dorm, smoking weed and fighting with others. You know, there's one of these that I'm okay with Jesus,
0: smoking weed is fine, but you can't beat your girlfriend in a dorm.
1: And this, again, is like another thing that's always ignored with mass shootings and, um, you know, violent people that end up murdering is they have violence towards women. Kyle Rittenhouse, who is arrested in Kenosha Mm. for murdering two people um, that churches are raising money for but he had videos of him beating women like violence against women is a red issue. flag yeah and it's a red
0: flag to bigger to bigger crimes not that sorry i don't mean to say that beating a woman is a horrible crime no. but it is a red flag to murder and other things down the road like escalations
1: escalate yeah. yeah so the fact that we ignore it so he beat his fucking girlfriend um Ugh. and in a new york times article around you know after the attacks in the, the 90s, the end of the 90s, Elizabeth Ann Starr, in a phone interview with the New York Times, she said, people really need to pay more attention to domestic violence and racism. And it's like, yeah, couldn't agree more. Why are you a college student understanding this? And a whole fucking country can't. It's whatever. She was ahead of her time. So um he got probation. He got ethics classes. He needed to go to counseling. But there was ethics class. I I took ethics
0: in college and I went three times. I got like a C. I just don't think ethics class. That's like you study Greek philosophers. I know
1: colleges. Because one time I was um, drunk and I stood on a chair and smoked a cigarette into the smoke detector. (laughs) and they caught me and I they didn't want to actually punish me so I like just wrote about anti-smoking and like oh, made posters okay and had to clean up the butts from the smoking area good like, job <laughs> they don't actually you know they want they don't want to kick kids out I yeah guess. um whatever I didn't I'm not proud of my moments um he started passing out racist shit screaming about free speech he was peeking into dorm windows he had weapons he filed a complaint that he was being mistreated by the dorm administration. Um, and And then the school consulted with the parents and the parents seem rich, successful, smart. And they like took him out of school and they're like, my bad. They signed a thing saying he'll never return. Yeah. So summer of 98, he enrolls at University of Indiana. He switched from computer science to criminal justice. And again, he was passing out racist ass shit. Um, He wanted to start a white student union. He was mad at the black student union. Just, you know, he was doing interviews all the time and writing articles but the thing that's crazy is like the mayor of Bloomington, John Fernandez, met with him twice um, and like in a call in show. And he goes, all indications were that he didn't have any history of violence. And it's like, but he did. <laughs> and you're the mayor. And like this happens a lot where like women are like, that guy's creepy. And guys are like, oh, he was nice. I don't she know what you're talking me. about. Yeah. And it's like men should just never get to decide who <laughs> might be violent or not. Like your intuition is just fucked and. You don't listen, whatever. So he did interviews for the paper. He wrote things like they gave him attention. And I always think about this because a lot of comedians will have like Alex Jones and all these Nazis and crazy people on their podcasts. And they think that it's freedom of speech or that it's fair and we need to hear everything you are spewing Nazi shit. There's Mm -hmm. no two sides. There's not depth to these people. Yeah. These aren't opinions. They do not think that black people, Jewish people, Asian people should be alive. Mm -hmm. So I just hate people that magnify his voice. And so he was like writing things for the paper and on radio. And it's just like, "Ah!" we know what (laughs) Nazis have to say. Like, I'm just so disgusted by people that like help spread the news, <sighs> whatever. And he, um, he legit was like, I'm willing to debate any of these issues at any time. And Nazis love to do that. And it's like, yeah. it's not a debate whether Black people should live. Like, yeah. it's just like, I, no one wants to debate you. And like I said, <laughs> so you could see he's had a long racist-ass history and that Hale claimed that they were actually, like, separating and not close anymore because Hale's about nonviolence and Benjamin is so about violence and... That's not true. Um, the police found like 13 hours of phone conversations between them for like months leading up to it. They talked before he mm. went on a crazy rampage. They were tight. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I don't know if this adds to it or what, but it happened July 4th weekend. Huh? So it was July 4th Patriotism. weekend 1999. And it had to do with Matthew Hale not getting his law license, but... Something about it happening over July 4th weekend. is
2: yeah.
1: I'm an, I don't know what the word is. Again, we will learn throughout Suspicious, this podcast. Suspicious, yeah. <laughs> I have really bad vocabulary. And Kara mentioned this, and I'm just going to say this right away, so we're not um, wondering, but he shot himself at the end three times. And that's crazy, too. You could, like, these Nazis are so bad, they don't even know how to kill themselves. So he went on a spree just shooting out his car no, window at people. Yeah, so yeah. I will um, go through that. But I just wanted to say this fucker is dead. Yeah. Sorry to get. Grim, but basically, he started in West Rogers Park, and that's maybe 15 minutes away from Wilmette. He knows this area. It was a Friday night, Shabbos, all the religious, it's a very Orthodox area. And so, all the Jews are running around mm-hmm. going to services. And so, he shot at six Orthodox men on their way to services. He then drove to Skokie, where he fired seven shots at Ricky Birdsong. Um, and he was 43 years old. He was the former head basketball coach at Northwestern University. He had an amazing career coaching. Um, he was an amazing person and he was shot in front of his two children. He was like out for a jog. Uh. His kids were like playing outside with him. Um, growing up in Skokie, like this, is it's, it's, it's just like a quintessential suburban looking neighborhood and mm-hmm. I just can't fucking imagine this. So yeah. he killed Ricky Bird's song and I think that's what gave this I mean, I think the story would have been media circus anyways. But I think having someone that prominent um, in the community, he then drove to Northbrook and he shot at an Asian couple. They were not injured. He then Saturday. I just can't. This is what I don't understand how he kept being able to drive. Yeah. I don't understand it. They will stop like. Any black person that kind of looks like Mm -hmm. the person and they had his car. He drove a Ford Taurus, a powder blue Ford Taurus, which to me is that's a criminal justice, a Ford Taurus. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that is not a car for a sane person. And powder blue is not an appropriate (laughs) color. So Saturday morning, he drove to Springfield, Illinois. He injured a black man. He then drove to Decatur in the afternoon. He wounded a black minister. He then um, drove to Urbana Champaign. He shot at a group of six Asian U of I students, injuring one of them. Then Sunday was able to drive to Bloomington, Indiana where he um, went to school as well. And he fired a group um, leaving a Korean church and killed Juan John Yoon, who was shot twice in the back. He was a doctoral student, um, 26 years old, studying economics, um, and was just arriving to, you know, this was the summer before he started this program. And then he continued driving around. And the cops... this. I mean, I'm going to lose my mind again, so be ready for this. <laughs> but there was a high-speed chase to apprehend him. It was a small town in Illinois. Two sheriff deputies were involved in apprehending him. Um, Garden and Hibital, I don't know, H- Hibital, Hibital, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't see it. So yeah, you. Yeah. All our sources are always um, <laughs> on our site. Um you know this is like washington post stuff but they drove in different squad cars they clocked him and driving a stolen van they followed him for five miles the van swerved off the road and slammed into a metal pipe with their guns drawn the officer said they approached the van shouting for smith to show his hands he did not comply the cops entered the van through the passenger's door smith reached for a duffel bag on the floor by a passenger seat of the vehicle hibidol does not shoot him yeah This is what it's so hard to read this. Yeah. Thinking about all the ways black people are shot for and murdered for no fucking reason. We have a man crossing state lines in a stolen murders, multiple murders, and the cops are wrestling him to the ground as he's reaching for a duffel bag when, you know, he's armed and dangerous. It's like, you know, we're supposed to think these cops are heroes. And I truly it's so hard to do that. I it's thinking about everything. But so they wrestled him. And then they heard shot and he ended up shooting himself. Um, There was they grappled. There were two muffled shots like this motherfucker was willing to die for this white supremacist murder. Yeah. The cops said when they first saw Smith that his neck was already covered in blood and they found all the weapons of all the types that were used in the Mm. shootings in his car. Sounds pretty open and shut. This makes me even more upset. They took him to the hospital and tried to revive him for 40 minutes. I read that he shot himself in the head a couple times and then once in the heart. No, it was one in the thigh, one in the chest was the final one. Yeah. And um, one in the chin.
0: Oh, okay. The chin must have been the one that he was trying to go for his head or something. Yeah.
1: That's what I mean. These people can't. You can't even even get to that. Right. Yeah. The fact that they revived this man for 40 minutes and just it's hard not to think about Breonna Taylor or George Floyd. Laying there, being able to live and given absolutely no mercy or care for their lives. And yet this fucking Nazi murderer was taken to a hospital and for 40 minutes they tried to revive him. (laughs) And what made me even more angry is like the Marion County Sheriff, Gerald something Benjamin, um, said the cops didn't fire their weapons. And that is Uh, how you do it by the book and he's proud of his cops and that's how cops are supposed to be. And if that's what by the book means, then why aren't we mad at all these officers that aren't by the book and Mm. are shooting so much? And the problem is, is that the book encompasses everything.
0: The book is shoot. The book is don't shoot, you know, like the book said, the book covers them for when they do anything.
1: Yeah. And I just thought I was, I was like, I'd love to see how many of these cops were in the creator's hate world group in Peoria, (laughs) you know, honestly, how Um, many of you worship at the church of the creator out of a child,
0: out of a room with a fucking race car bed in it. We're going to end on a positive note. Yes, I wanted
1: to also mention that, that Matthew Hale man in 2019 was the 20 year anniversary. And so there was a lot of media Mm -hmm. and interviews and kind of revisiting this case. And Matthew Hale goes, there is only one victim and it's the white one. No, no remorse, no sympathy, no understanding, no care. He goes, these people are animals, they're dogs and they deserved to die. Like truly, you know, that's the only victim he thinks is Benjamin. Correct. Wow. Correct. Wow. I mean, and that's what's happening with Kyle Rittenhouse now. You know, it's just like just lauding these people. And wait, so I
0: just want to be clear. That's the high note.
1: No, (laughs) (laughs) I just I guess I just wanted to say that, like, you know, this guy's now been in jail, Matthew Hale, for Mm -hmm. a while. And there's no reading. There's no American History X lessons here. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's not. Growing or learning in any fucking way, so we're gonna end on a high note. Well, this is actually a weird note first, but Juan John yoon Janet Reno attended his memorial service, okay. and I don't know if that's good, but I just haven't seen that name for a while. Yeah. And the only image I have of her is with ellian Gonzalez and like that suit. The only <laughs> image I
0: have of her is like Will Ferrell playing yeah.
1: her. <laughs> yeah, but I just thought that was uh, pretty weird. But because of Ricky Birdsong, um, basically what his wife said was. People in the neighborhood days after Ricky's murder um, were meeting at the spot of his murdering and just like reminiscing and discussing. And it turned into neighborhood walks mm-hmm. and like everyone in the neighborhood started walking together and healing. And so they decided to start a race against hate um, this. And it's still going strong. It happens every year on Father's Day weekend, Aww. around 5000 runners every year. And um, I think we sh- Yeah. I think we should do it. But um, I always see signs every year about the race and the YWCA in Evanston where Tina Fey worked mm. when she went to Second City. Um, they are the sponsors now and kind of organize this and they raise money for prevention and anti-racist like racist education. Um and so that's just like really lovely that this. Yeah. Like, beautiful... Well, if you live in the
0: Chicago area, get involved in the race against hate and then we will make a trip out there at some point and do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so just very excited about that. And his daughter, Kelly, is a teacher. And she said something that I really liked. It's not full about this case, but she said that um, while she's teaching, she likes to strive to create a trauma sensitive learning environment. And I just think that's so important, especially now with kids doing virtual learning and the stress of the Mm -hmm. world and just realizing that kids are going through shit constantly, Mm -hmm. um, that it's so beautiful to have someone that wants to make a nice environment. And she just said he's known for having a smile on his face. He would do free basketball camps. He was just like so good. And she says she has no hate towards the killer because the God protected her heart. And. I don't fully understand that, but I love that. And I wanted to say that there's a scholarship in Juan John Yoon's name in Bloomington at the University of Indiana. And it goes to a student that exhibits tolerance, understanding and commitment to service. So nice. that's a scholarship that still exists. And
0: we'll put links for it. we'll
1: put links to both of those in our so show that, notes. yeah i just want to end on the high note i'm sorry it took me whipsy turvy all the way around <laughs> but i just wanted to kind of give some time to the victims and not just the nazis yes yeah you're right all right guys we're gonna just take a quick
0: break and when we come back we're gonna have another one of our hard-hitting interviews <laughs> Okay, Lisa,
1: our dream come true.
0: (laughs) I mean, this is insane. Our interview today is with a Tony-winning, Oscar-winning, halfway to an EGOT actress who has been in such classic films as Mona Lisa Smile, Pollock, First Wives Club, iconic, and is currently starring in The Morning Show on Apple TV and plays just an iconic... Uh, recurring character on SVU, Dana Lewis.
1: Everybody, please tune in to our interview with Marcia Gay Harden. We're also thrilled. We can't believe that we have an Oscar winner on the podcast. I and... She brought it up for my background. <laughs> what was yes. I thinking? <laughs> and that you were nominated for an Emmy for this part in Raw. I love her, Dana. Yes. Star, oh, Dana yeah. Lewis, and your Lewis, iconic arc. arc. Mm. And we're assuming this was an offer only. You were not auditioning at Chelsea pierce <laughs>
2: You know this, <laughs> The fact of Chelsea pierce alone. You know, for the audition, you got to do a trampoline jump, then you got to swing across <laughs> the room. It was an offer only, but what was undecided about it was the um, was the who she was. So it wasn't in the script that she would be from the south. And I think, and I literally thought about this. I said, you cannot begin the podcast on this note because they're funny and they won't be able to make any jokes about this. But at the beginning of, the, of that time, during that time, I had just read about that, um, a guy, a black man who had been chained to the back of a car in the cell and drug. And I was like, well, she is doing this infiltration with this KKK, which I had kind of wished it was more top levels of government that she was infiltrating, but whatever. Um, And uh and I thought, why would she why would she choose this really dangerous job and why would this be the thing that she's doing if she didn't have some history, some hurt, some knowledge, something that way she could play South to be in this group, that made her more believable? Or what if she really is from the South? What if she really has seen these injustices all her life and it just didn't sit with her because that this so raw was the first one I went on to do three more but raw was the first one so it like established who she was and I thought you know what I don't want her to be such a good actress I want her to be like, like she's a good actor but but that it's not just acting that it really is a part of her so that's what I did and then I had this friend who uh, a woman who was in the FBI and so she would talk to me a lot about um about sort of what it was like and being in investigations and that and I would say well if you had an accent you would stand out like you'd be more easy to be identified and she said well maybe she's able to to get rid of her accent when she wants to but she just talks it is her accent and she's using it for this so that's kind of how that came to be and you know what's so cool they never said no they never said wow no that's not gonna work you know we may we might think about it for another time they just were like okay that makes sense you've given her background in history so let's go no wow.
1: it's an iconic accent i love saying star like i'm bad at accents <laughs> but it's
2: it's like the best I, um, I actually think that was pretty good could you say it again please no i'm <laughs> too
1: embarrassed star. i love it dana lewis <laughs> <Hard> dana. <hours. laughs> Well, we were wondering, is there a difference on how you played her knowing that she was undercover in the FBI as if you had played
2: her if she was just like a neo-Nazi? Oh, that's a real no one in the whole world in my entire life has ever asked you that question. Um, that's such a good question. And I don't know because I didn't. <laughs> I've never thought about it. I didn't do that. Would you? Like, I'd have to go back and look at it. And, you know, I've only seen it the one time when it aired. I'd have to go back and look at it and say, did I throw in a little look to somebody? Did I do something that would be like a little quiet giveaway? Did, did Benton and I or uh, Maloney and I hold a look longer? And I literally, yeah. I don't know. What I did love was the, was her, that final reveal, you know, hands up. And I was living up in Harlem at the time. And some of the guys I used to go to the gym and hang out, you know, work out with at the gym um, or watch them work out really and go, I can't. Um, <laughs> they'd be like, girl, you better come out with that gun at the end because, you know, we, we, we know you, and we think of you as like, you know, a, a good one. And I thought that's interesting too, because if you play someone who is that hideous, you know, who really is that hideous, you kind of have to know that people identify you with that thing and I think about all these great heinous roles that people do get identified with and it it was you know it just makes you think
0: so can I ask like speaking of like heinous and and all these like horrible like slurs you had to say to like Ice tea to Richard Bell and stuff like what was it I mean those were all scripted. You weren't going off script for any of those, right? You weren't yeah. just like improvising. And
2: <laughs> no, the um, the off script was the smell, smelling him. I
1: knew oh, that was one of our Lee, questions. I was wondering know? that. How did you no, know? I was like, going to ask. I was going to ask. <laughs> that was amazing. <gasps>
0: amazing so so what like is tell us like when uh when they yell cut after you've just said all this horrible stuff to to these two guys like are you guys laughing or you is the tension cut like you know that's I mean for us I was like I can't believe we even that some of these things are even being like allowed to say on network television but
2: at the time it was probably pretty risky and I think that the smell and what is the line right after a Jew or something? Jew, yeah, yeah, you
0: just you just sniff them and say Jew, and we're both Jewish, so we're, we we uh, right feel like we can say <laughs> Jew <Okay>.
2: that way. <laughs> you're not you're not. so do you have to say Jewish, not Jew, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, you know, the whole thing with language is so interesting because I've got kids, and they teach me this about language all the time, and I'm and I and it's I think language is beautiful. So like, I really love words and they'll tell me all the time, like, you can't say this, you can't say this, you can't say this, you can't say this. And sometimes there's some perfectly, um, innocent in a way, like where I grew up and I will say this on the air and I'm apologize for anywhere I've been, but when I grew up, I, I was called by my best gay friend stag hag. Come on girl. Yeah. And now I can't say that. And of course my son is gay. So he's like, super, you cannot say that mom. I'm like, oh, I didn't want to say that to you anyway, but, but I just like looking at the word you go. Words change. People change. And and sometimes my kids will go, oh, this person can say this because they have agency. Like if you're Jewish, you might have agency to say something or, uh, you know, if you're of a certain race, you might have agency to say certain words that you don't if you're not. And that's the education I'm learning from the young ones now, like the where's and the why's of it and the histories of it, and how far the histories go back. That one, the sniff and the Jew, what had no need for history for me because We all know that history and we all Mm. know that hurt and that pain. And you're living in New York city. And I was like, a, you know, a a, not a girl Friday. I don't know what they called Kelly girl, Kelly girl. So I would go to work for different people all the time. And I remember once I had to work for somebody as a, um, uh, like nurse's assistant because I'd once been a nurse's assistant in a, in a hospital when I was really young, I'd volunteer work. So I had to work and I remember seeing on this person's arm, um, numbers, tattoo numbers. I had never seen such a thing. I mean, I was, I just never seen anything. So right away, when you come to New York, you're ingrained with this, like, there's a history there. So for me, that was hard to say, but when the cut was done, I think we just like kind of laughed and hugged like, Whoa, where'd that come from? Or I mean, I would always like, hope, hope, hope you're okay. And I know that some people like, I don't think Daniel Day-Lewis would have said, sorry, right? He would have been like, I'm in character, <laughs> even though <laughs> I love him so much. But I can't I have to break the thing to acknowledge the humanity across from me because it yeah, you can play it, but it ain't real life. You're playing.
0: Let me ask you. So when they brought you in to play Dana Lewis, did you know that there was going to be multiple episodes or was that just like a one off that they just turned into a bigger arc because your character was so interesting?
2: It's cool. It was a one off. You don't know. And it was and then they ended up writing four, but each one I didn't know beyond that that there was gonna be another one. And the last one I could have strangled them. And I want you to get Dick Wolf on the phone right now because I know Dana needs to get out of
0: jail. I I know I was like, I was like, I could see there being a thing where Benson goes to consult you while you're in jail.
2: Like because like they need thought, your help with like a case. Or the, it turns <laughs> out she's undercover in jail. But yeah, they were really clear about that one because you know, I'm surprised you I, have you studied that real case? Because it was really it was there was really no. a San Francisco cop who had come up through the ranks. I'm pretty sure San Francisco's been a long time since I shot up in San Francisco. She had come up through the ranks. She was lauded. she was honored. She was loved. And it turned out with DNA testing, they were able to link her to a crime that had occurred like 20 or 30 years before. And everyone was like, no her name is way
1: Stephanie Lazarus.
2: Oh yeah. I think we have it on our list oh, to with, do see what that last name as well. Um, interesting. But I said, no, that's not Dana. That is not Dana. Dana is, is strong. She is, um, honest. If she's anything, she's honest. And she's just so moral. She's I think that's so, why her and Benson are so like linked. That's what like. I thought. And you know, it was, it was hard because I was. I said, No, at first, I said, You, she, it can't be. I don't think I want to do that because I love Dana and Dana can't be that person. And they were like, It's based on a real person. Could you see your way into it? Take it or leave it, sort wow. of. And, and you kind of go, First of all, I love Marishka so much. And I love, uh, you know, Chris and all of, I love the show. And it was based on a real person. And I did do it, but there's a part, and they had written it for me, but there's still a part of me, honestly, that goes, mm, I don't, I still have to wrap my mind around that that was her. I really do.
0: I don't think we've seen the end of Dana Lewis. I hope not. I
1: can't can't imagine that she's gone forever. And one of the things I love about SVU is it's such intense subject matter, but they do have a sense of humor. And I loved that Maloney kept getting injured anytime you were on on the show. And I loved that (laughs) so
2: much. I do too. I thought it was so great. I think they always try to cut those scenes with humor. And um, and I think that makes it palatable because, it, because there's a little teeny tongue-in-cheekness.
1: Another of my favorite parts of your run was in the third episode where Dana Lewis gets assaulted. You on the witness stand was like such an incredible performance. I don't think I have a question. It was just really powerful.
2: <laughs> That's an interesting scene because um, she's a soldier. I remember we had the discussion with the director. Because it was sort of written that at the end, she would break down and sob and have all that emotion. And I was like, "Mm, no, I don't want to do that. Not because I don't want to break down and sob, but because I don't see it as her. And it wasn't, I say it so cavalierly, as if to dismiss the director. I don't mean it that way. What I mean, is just coming from me. I was like, let's talk. I don't, I don't love that. And they presented, you know, their side. And I said, how about we shoot it both ways? Can you please just let me do one? where she's a soldier. Cause I've seen these women in the military who will talk about rape and they will talk mm. about, um, it's something that happened. It is in the line of duty and it was traumatic, but in their recounting of it, it's not a day later, it's not a, a minute later, it's much later. And in their recounting of it, now they're slightly removed from it. And I totally got the drama of, of being in the moment. You know, as an actor, they're like, the whole point is be in the moment, in the moment, discover in the moment. And, what the director said was really lovely. They said, yeah, she did get raped and she's a soldier, but she's still a woman. So even when you do it, and it is an incredible violation, even when you do it on the, your version where you hold on to it, can you let that vulnerability at one point come through? And I think they chose, and I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'm fairly sure they chose um, that one.
0: So like, so you've done four episodes, you set your, you love Mariska, you love Chris, you love iced tea. Every, are there any, like, do you have any like gr- memories from the set of when you were there? Any like fun little stories? Any I think mostly I
2: remember down? just how the set changed as Mariska became a mother. <laughs> you know? oh, the dressing room, the um, hair and makeup room, her focus, her, her richness just got, more expansive and then you know there was initially like her dressing room and rishka hey she's, she, she's like one of the guys you know i think that's what you love about her on some level she's like one of the, hey marsh how you doing all right guys let's go let's get the show on the road <laughs> you know she's very she can take command of a set but but she doesn't feel um over like overpowering in a bad way when she does, but she's in command. And then the kids would come in and Mariska would finish and go, got to go breastfeed, you know, I'm leaking. And she <laughs> would, well, that was her first one. And then she adopted the other ones and she would go just back to be with them all the time. there'd be nannies and people. And I just thought that was so, it was just kind of wonderful. I remember once when they they were shooting up in Harlem. And, um, I was living up there and so they came and knocked on the door. Hey, March, how you doing? And I got to come over to the trailers and see what everyone was doing. It was, it was fun. I, and I also remember it being a really like welcoming environment. You can be a guest star on some shows and literally it feels like they are saying, okay, stand here, say your line here and move over here. And if you offered an opinion, you might seem like you were, um, grandstanding somehow that, that doing your job is being an actor and asking questions. And you've come into something that's actually a well-oiled machine. And so there's a real level that you have to pick up on about how much questions can you ask and how much of your input does anybody really want? But I felt like on that one, that it was a really open environment and I never, and I felt like I could ask anything I wanted. And maybe as a result of that, you, you feel like, oh, I don't even need to. I just want to jump into this well-oiled machine. And that's what it felt like. But they were super, super generous. I
0: I heard through the grapevine that you're a Drag Race fan. Is that true? Hello. And do you (laughs) vote for it, right? And I wrote for Drag yeah. Race as a new mom. So <gasps> I was literally doing the same thing, like pumping in Carson Kressley. I mean, pumping in oh Ross Matthews' dressing room, God. like on his days off and like doing the whole thing that you're talking about. So it was just reminding me of I my, love that. my summer as a new mom working at Drag Race. But
2: come on. How did you book that gig? That's amazing. <laughs>
0: it, it was, it was, it was, cool. I literally got the email about it when I was in the hospital, having just given birth. So it was like Fun. a very uh, serendipitous. Great day. Yeah, crazy, who does yeah,
2: Ru. amazing. And my son introduced me to Ru. He was always watching RuPaul's Drag Race. And he introduced me to him, I mean, on television. And then all, he's watched every season, every this, every that. I've not yeah. watched all of it, but I watched enough to get to know Katya and some of the other people. Um, oh. Yes. And then uh, we got to go, you know, Ru was doing a talk show for a while. And we yeah. Hudson and I got to go on the talk show, which was super.
0: Oh, great! Fun. Yeah,
2: yeah. You should be a judge. You would be. A, you would be iconic I on the show. I'm I would love to be a judge. Um, I said <laughs> that last year, and then I think COVID happened. So, yeah. Isn't that going to be like a new phrase? I did, I was doing this, and then COVID happened, and then COVID happened. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you had to lip sync for your life, oh what God. song do you think you would crush it? Probably at?
2: Mr. Big Stuff. Do you even know that song? Oh, yeah. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Big Star. You're never going to get (laughs) my love. Oh, no. And I love they have all the like the background and everything. Yeah, that would be mine.
1: This has been amazing. You shared so much. And we also wanted to tell you, like, when COVID first happened, us and our girlfriends, we all watched First Wives Club um, on Zoom. And it was like one of our... It was uh Our helping us get through COVID moment. Yeah. Can I tell <laughs> you? Lisa Smile Smiles, one of my favorite movies. It's like.
2: First it's Wives Club was it. so funny because again, I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. And um, my son, we we all went to see Christmas Queens um, in Los Angeles a couple years ago. Oh yeah. And so Katya was his, he loved Katya. And so she wasn't in the show. So we get there and we're, we watch the show. We watch the show we get to go backstage and meet everybody. Katya's not there. Katya's not there. I was like oh, I don't want to meet her. and we um are leaving. I've gone around the corner to get the car and I brought it up and I parked in front while there's it was cold I think so they were hanging out waiting for me to bring the car and Hudson goes, mom, Katya just walked by. I'm like, "What?" And ah. Katya had come by. Maybe they'd called her to say, that, you know, we wanted to meet her. I don't know, but I'm not projecting. She walked by, and she walked down through the big lobby, heading, you know, past the security guards to go backstage. I was like, do you, do you want me to get her? He's like, no, no, mom, no. She, she doesn't <laughs> want to know you. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, I'm going to get her. And I leave the car running with the keys in it, right in front of the Ace Hotel or wherever the hell this is. We've seen Christmas oh Queens. God. And I run down the lobby. I'm like, Kaccha, Kaccha. And she's gone. And the security guard's like, what do we do? I said, it's Katcha. I have to see her. She, she's I need to see her. And I kind of bust through her, and I said. like, Catch ya, gotcha. Hi, and she turns around and she looks at me. And she goes, oh, "Grow from love," <laughs> which is, of course, the line in First Wife's club And it oh my
0: god, that is the best me a story. Me to remember
2: it, and she came walking. And she goes, well, "What is this? like grow from love? Something from love? A couple of them? Yeah,
0: that's like the thing that she's telling them, grow, even though she's having the affair yes, with the husband. Grow from love.
2: Grow from love. And so she comes back to me, going, "Grow from love. Grow from love." and comes up to me and we hug and um, I looked over my shoulder at my son's face it was like <gasps> my mother's a goddess oh my god <laughs> How my mother you. trying hard wow. not to smoke a fake cigarette you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> a true a true parenting
0: win Marsha thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today super it was nice <laughs> to
2: talk to you all <sighs> it
0: was pretty magical. Wow, what a dream! I mean, <laughs> a dream guest like this is a woman who has like a extensive IMDb, but also seems to remember like every moment of every role she's done, which I love. I mean, maybe she maybe forgot a little bit of her iconic First Wife Club line, but <laughs> you know, she like her all her SVUs, she seems to remember like pretty accurately.
1: Yeah, and just I don't like so thoughtful in every decision and line and moment and just yeah what did i learn um that i'm not as good of an actress as i thought i mean she's <laughs> <laughs> she's so good outside of the interview another postmortem tidbit is please don't be a racist uh, and don't go on a murder spree <laughs> i think that's something we should all focus on right right and
0: like don't adopt a child for insurance money but that sounds also like don't be the devil, like don't be the <laughs> yeah. worst person in the world. Like, I mean, that was wild.
1: Also, don't ever um believe children's accounts of what happened. I mean, <laughs> is that fair? Like, I think we should trust kid. like, yeah, we got to trust and believe victims, but also it seems like kids are out of control.
0: I want to say that a personal note post-mortem for this episode is like aim high because like at first when Lisa and I were making a list of who we were going to try to get for this episode, Lisa was suggesting the... um Jewish child who was shot on the playground <laughs> and
1: we ended up getting Marsha Gay Harden so I feel like you gotta just aim higher you know <laughs> yeah I was re-watching Raw again and it was funny I'm like we were gonna get the marathon boy <laughs> like, I can't believe we got Marsha Gay Harden I guess another lesson is no John Milheiser is that is that yeah. something yeah <laughs> everybody follow John Milheiser
0: online he's so funny he does hilarious characters all the time he's been on SNL and he used to work for Marsha and helped us get in touch with her and he's a
1: dream um what else also you know can courtrooms have better security let's not let guns yeah. into the courtroom like that yeah. would be amazing
0: yeah um, courtroom shootouts on svu seem rampant <laughs> like it just seems like there's a lot of
1: them if you're gonna have an undercover nazi room put a lock on the door you know what i mean don't yeah. don't make it so a accessible. Combo lock even like make it a little harder to get into <laughs> yeah you're gonna get caught um if you do sell guns don't plot i mean i don't know it's just like do don't play Doom style video games where you shoot uh, minorities in the street. Don't be racist. I mean,
0: that's another just a, a blanket. Don't be racist.
1: Yeah. And I hope one day I can be in a courtroom and plead the fifth. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't I want to pl- yeah, plead the fifth seems like a great time. <laughs> I want to plead the fifth. Oh, God. I want to plead the fifth so bad. I feel uh, like I can't even talk. I'm like too. This is how I felt after the Adele concert. I was just like numb and on cloud nine and my knees were weak. And that's how I feel after talking to Marsha Gay Harden. I just like feel <laughs> I just I don't even know. I feel like jello. My body well, feels like jello. We'll let you go take a nap. But no, I don't want <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep again. But yeah, I think these are all good lessons. Don't be racist. Don't sell guns to criminals. I don't know. Don't get Rahawa tattooed on your back. Yeah.
0: Go ahead and just don't get a full back piece of um, (laughs) racial hatred because you just don't know if your mind will change at some point, you know.
1: But also it helps you get caught. Like the whole thing, if you are going to be a criminal is to be secretive. You can't like to have Rahawa on your your back. (laughs) It's like you can't really pretend it wasn't you. It's going to be. And don't leave the murder weapon behind.
0: Oh, yeah. They left it in that water tank or whatever. Take
1: the weapon. Do not leave the weapon behind. That's it. I think the biggest (laughs) thing you guys are forgetting is the bottle caps on the ceiling. Get (laughs) better, Art. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now it is time for our weekly segment, What Would Sister Peg Do?, where we direct you towards a resource or a charity where you can get your eyeballs to learn more about what we've talked about in today's episode.
1: And today we are highlighting the Ricky Birdsong Memorial Race Against Hate. Um, and that is powered through the YWCA of Evanston North Shore. Um, so, you know, you know, you all know how to use Google and we will have our show notes, but you the can link will be there. in our show notes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So that giggle was inappropriate. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> if you'd like to read more information or get involved, that is the place to visit. They are working on eliminating racism and empowering women, which we are all for. So next week, we will be doing season eight, episode 11, Burned. And as always, you
0: can get all episodes of SVU on Hulu or on Peacock. And we'll see you guys next week.
1: That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at That's Messed up pod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at
0: That's Messed Up Pod and on Twitter at Messed Up pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information.
1: Thank you so much to our producer and fellow SVU superfan, Hannah Kyle Creighton. Thank you to our heroes, Stephen Ray Morris and
0: Annalise Nelson, our engineers. To Henry Kapersky, musical extraordinaire for our theme song. To our artistic queen, Carly Jean Andrews, for all of our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstar, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle
1: Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dun-dun!